Ben was mentioning, we have small groups on Wednesday night, and I want to encourage you, if, if you can, I, I, I know everybody's schedule is different, but I know that sometimes we don't come to Wednesday night because we feel like if we come to Wednesday night, then we're going to miss out on doing some other things that, that just have to be done. But I, I want to tell you why you should come to Wednesday night. Do you know why? Because God can do in five minutes what you can't do in five hours. He can. And so when you put God first in your life in every area, God begins to do things for you on your behalf that you never could have accomplished on your own. And, and I'm very excited because we're starting, uh, I just gave an overview for my uh, small group and Pastor Tim said to me, I really want you to talk to them about your small group. And uh, we're going to be basically talking about how to get out of our own way. And uh, I don't know if you have ever had a situation where you felt like you just couldn't help it. You know, sometimes when I see a Twinkie, can't help it. You know? For some people, the Twinkie happens to be a cigarette. For some people, it happens to be booze. For others, whatever. But we all have our stuff. We all have things in our life that, you know, we feel like, man, I just can't help it. Well, this class is help for those that can't help it. That's what this class is about. And, and I, I wanted to share with you real quick, I had uh, a family uh, where I used to pastor, and I'll never forget this, this wife came and said, I need to talk to you, and she was desperate. And, you know, she said, we're, we're about to break up, we're about to split up. And um, I, need, I don't know what to do. She was beside herself, and she had run out of options. Her husband was, they were separating, he was leaving, and she said to me, what do I do? And, and I looked at her and I said, well, unfortunately, your husband is not here, and you have no control over him, but you're here, and so the one person that you have control over in this situation is, guess who? You. So let's work on you. So let's, don't, let's not focus on having a good marriage. Let's focus on you being a good wife. And, and that's what this class is about. It, it, really talking about that life doesn't get better until you get better. And so I like what one person says. He says, don't wish it were easier, wish you were better. Life doesn't get easier we get better, and that's how we handle the problems in our life. And these principles, I watch these principles, and I work these principles out with this lady and then eventually her husband, and I watch God put this family back together. And it was amazing because she changed. She told me, she said, I was horrible to him. I was disrespectful. I was rude. I called him names. I demeaned him. When's the last time somebody was that honest about themselves? Well, through this process, God changed her. And, and she became a changed person. She accepted Christ. And she began to live these principles that we're, we're going to be talking about on Wednesday nights. And I watched God do this amazing U-turn in her family. Now they're together. Their children are, have a secure family. And, and I've just watched these principles. These are not my principles. These are God's principles. And so I want to encourage you to come on Wednesday night at 630 We'll be out here uh, in the lobby. If not in the lobby, we'll be up in the conference room upstairs. But I, I just want to encourage you to come. We have a good time, and, and we're going to be learning about how to get the results in our life that, that we really want. And it really starts with 
God working in us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray for a moment together. Father, you're such a good friend to us. We need you. Father, we're desperate for your spirit this morning. I just ask that you would open our hearts. You speak to us, Lord. Lord, I know there are some that have come in and they're dealing with difficult things this morning. Holy Spirit, we know that it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would cut through um, all the noise and distraction and really get to the heart of the matter, which is our heart. And I pray you'd speak to us specifically this morning, each of us in our own unique way. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Amen. Um, you, you guys, by the way, would really like it if, if I preached the way my 11-year-old son says I should. Yesterday, he asked me to go out and play some basketball with him, and I had already spent a little time with him playing a video game, and I said, buddy, I can't right now. I've got to work on my sermon. And he, he goes, man, why don't you just write down, I love the Lord, and I hope you do too. And then he said, end in prayer, voila. <laughs> now we can all go home. But then I thought, where's the fun in that? I don't get to torture you guys with long, drawn-out sermon that's going to run into kickoff time this afternoon. You know what I mean? Speaking of kickoff time, I know the Ravens and Eagles are not, uh, not represented in these playoffs. But... You know, it's interesting because uh, today there will be four teams playing. After today, there will be four teams left in the NFL playoffs. And then uh, from those games, there will be two. And those two teams will come together, collide, and we'll have our Super Bowl champion. There can only be one Super Bowl champion. There can't be two. There can't be three. There can't be four. Nobody really cares about runner-up. There can only be one. Now, a lot of life is like this. Um, for example, when God created you, he said there can only be one. There's only one of you. God said there's only going to be one Brad Kellum. There's only going to be one Pastor Tim. There's only going to be one you. And, and that's the way God wants it. Uh, think about golf. The greatest shot in golf is not called a hole in two. It's a hole in one. When we talk about finding our life partner... Our soulmate. Sometimes we talk about it in terms of finding the one. By the way, when I first met my wife, Nicole, um, she was dating a guy when I first met her. And then she broke up with that guy. And then there were a couple other guys that were hitting on her, making a move, so to, so to speak. They were macking on her. And, and so when I entered into this friendly competition, I went into it knowing there's only one of us that are going to come out the winner in this deal, right? <laughs> Guys, you know what I'm saying? You know, all is fair in love and war, right? Well, we're in this series called The Power of One, not The Power of Two, not The Power of Three, The Power of One. Now, I want to talk to you this morning about the power of one faith, 
one faith. And I want to draw your attention this morning, if you will, just for the moments we have together, to John chapter 18 and to an actual conversation that Jesus had with a Roman political leader. Jesus had been arrested, dragged before the Jewish leaders, and then they sent him to a Roman governor named Pilate. And the exchange between Jesus and Pilate is fascinating. I think you're going to like this. And I think as we look at it, you're going to find it even more interesting. Let's pick up the story in John 18, verse 33. The Bible says, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Now notice the question Pilate asks Jesus. Are you the king of the Jews. Now, when I was a little kid, I used to play this game called King of the Hill. You guys ever play that? That's for fat kids like me. Right? We would go, we would go onto a, a mound of dirt, me and my buddies, and we would all get to the top and we'd shove and wrestle and knock each other off. And finally, till, until somebody got too tired and somebody stood up and declared themselves King of the Hill. Well, we have to understand when we're talking about a king here, we're talking about the one. He says, are you the one king of Israel? Are you the one legitimate established king of Israel? And it's a question that I want to ask you this morning. It's not a trick question. It's a very honest question. But here's how I want to ask it to you this morning. Not, is Jesus king of the Jews? But I want to ask it to you this way. Is Jesus the one true God? Is Christianity the one true faith? We're in this series, The Power of One. Now, after all, there are many options that you have. You could be a Buddhist. You could be a Muslim. You could be a Hindu, a Mormon, a Sikh. There's a lot of things. You could, or you could be an atheist or, or a, a secularist or whatever other ist you want to be. You, you can be anything in America. And Pilate asks Jesus a question I think is red-hot relevant to your life and mine. And notice what Jesus says. I love this. Jesus often answered a question with a question. Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about me? Is that your idea, Jesus asks? Wow. After all, there's a lot of different ideas floating around about me, Jesus would say. Isn't that true? I mean, even today, not just 2,000 years ago, but today, aren't there a lot of different ideas floating around out there in our society about God about faith, I mean, about what happens to a person when they die, about life and death, ghosts and goblins, angels and demons. There's so many ideas, so many te television shows, so many books, so many radio programs. How do you know the truth? It's hard sometimes to make anything of all that. Every culture that you go to has its own legends and campfire stories that they tell sitting around the campfire and they pass down from generation to generation. What I want to do now is lift this conversation that you and I are having above the level of campfire, okay? Above the level of culture. And I want to talk about this question, is Jesus the one true God? It's important. It's a universal question, not a cultural one. And here's what I mean. Notice this. Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? And notice what Pilate says. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> am I a Jew? 
Why are you asking, what are you trying to convert me, Jesus? Am I a Jew? No, I'm not a Jew. Pilate was a little offended. Pilate replied, your own people. As in, I've got my people, Jesus, and you've got your people. And they don't mix. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Now, I had a friend of mine. He used to tell me, we'd talk sometimes about Jesus, and he'd say, Brad, listen. He said, I wasn't raised like you. He said, I guess if I was raised like you, maybe I would be a Christian. But I wasn't raised like you. I was raised in a totally, I was raised in a Jewish home. And they, they didn't talk to me about Jesus. They, we weren't even religious. You ever heard somebody say that? Pilate was basically looking at Jesus going, whoa, <laughs> you know, the question you're asking me, I, I'm not a Jew. I wasn't raised a Jew. I don't mess with your little Jew beliefs and all that and your religion and all your rules. I, I'm a Roman. I don't, Romans don't do that. And I can imagine Jesus saying, but that's not the point. I didn't ask you if you're a Jew. I know very well you're a Roman, but what does that matter? It doesn't matter if you're Roman or Jewish or Greek or Chinese. What I want to know is, do you believe I'm the king? Or are you simply telling me what somebody else told you? That's what Jesus is saying to Pilate. The question, is Jesus the one true God, transcends culture. Has nothing to do with how you were raised or where you came from or who your parents were. This is not a question of where you grew up. This is not a cultural question. It's a human question. Pilate, are you human? Yes. Then answer the question. Don't give me the Roman thing. Don't give me the Jew thing. Give me what you really think. Some say, but Brad, it does matter where you were born and how you were raised and whether you grew up going to church versus going to a mosque versus going to a synagogue or, or a temple or... I don't know, going fishing on Sunday mornings. Well, it does matter. But here's what I'm saying this morning. Is Jesus the one true God? That question is not about culture. It's about truth. It's about truth with a capital T. Truth with a capital T. There can only be one. Either Jesus is or he isn't, right? Truth is rooted in God's nature, not man's culture. It's embedded in God's nature, and therefore it's in your nature to want and demand the truth, the whole truth, and nothing right. Henry David Thoreau said, be it life or death, we crave only reality. And here's the reality. No matter what country you come from, you know what it's like to be lied to. Think about it. Even if you're an aborigine, who still lives in a primitive setting with no contact with society, no civilization really, even the people in your village or tribe know when somebody is not being honest with them. Would you agree with that? Think about it. Whether somebody lies to you in English <laughs> or lies to you in Russian or lies to you in Chinese or Japanese, a lie is still a what? It's a lie, right? Truth is still truth. No matter what language you speak it in. I like what Paul Copan says. He says, if you'd grown up in the Soviet Union, chances are that you'd have been a part of the communist youth. 
But should we therefore conclude that all political systems are morally equal or equivalent? Communism versus democracy, for instance, certainly not. Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus not only lifts this question above culture, he lifts it because he says, my kingdom is not man-made. It's not about your culture. My kingdom is above all of this. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. I visited someone in the hospital this past week. When I arrived, one of the behavior specialists was a nurse came up to me and said, who are you? I said, Nunya. No, I didn't. I didn't say that. I just kidding. I said, I'm, I'm the pastor of this person. And, and she said, oh, good, good. I'm, I'm glad you're here. And then there was this awkward pause, like, um, and I could just read it in her, like, okay, you're the religious guy. I'm the science person. How's this going to work? And I looked at her and I said, I'm a big fan of science, by the way, but I do believe in miracles. She went, I do too. Well, what was I saying to her? I appreciate science. I love what doctors do for us when it goes right. But I just was just saying, I just believe in another place, another realm. And this is what Jesus is saying. Do you believe in miracles? Do you? Do, do you believe in another realm, a supernatural realm? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, implying there's another world. There's this world, then there's that world. Jesus is saying there's, there's these different realms. So he's lifting this whole question. Is Jesus the one true God? He's lifting it above culture. He's lifting it above where you grew up or what you knew or didn't know about God growing up. He's lifting all of our excuses right up to heaven. And he's saying, my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate says, you're a king then. So then Pilate states the truth. Jesus is a king, not just a king, but the king. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Not only is it a universal question, it's a question of facts, not opinions. This is very important, very important. Jesus did not say, you know, in my opinion, the reason I was born and came in, was so-and-so. Jesus says, in fact, in fact, when we discuss whether Jesus is the one true God and the only way to heaven, you know, the power of one faith, I'm not talking about opinions. I'm not asking you for your personal opinion. I'm not giving you my personal opinion. This is not about your perspective or my perspective. And it's not just your interpretation or my interpretation. Some people... Sometimes we'll say, if I say to them, well, Jesus is the only way to heaven. What I sometimes hear is, well, that's your truth, not my truth. Jesus works for you, but he doesn't work for me. What they're saying is basically, Brad, whenever you talk about, whenever you open your mouth to talk about faith, really what you're telling me is your opinion. Because we know that only science gives us the facts, not religion. Not faith. But absolute facts do exist. 
for all people of all times and every culture and every generation. I mean, aren't there some things that you and I see in the world that are really wrong? And some things that are really right? I mean, some Muslim countries, for example, allow their men to marry children. Girls that are like 11 or 12 or 13, is that okay? Just because it's their culture, do we give them a pass? No. There's not a human rights organization that would condone that. Why should we, the church, or God's people? And do you know why there are some things that are really wrong all the time? It's because there are some things that are really true all the time. There are some things that are really false every time. And because there are some facts that are really true and others that are really false, it's not just your opinion. Uh, for example, what if I said to you this morning, you guys will get a kick out of this. What if I said, guys, I, I, I found out a new discovery this week, had a great insight, and I want to share it with you. I found out this week that the moon is made of cheese. Isn't that awesome? The moon is made of cheese. Would you believe me? Is that true? No. <laughs> no, just so you realize. Some of you are like, I don't know. Swiss, American, I don't, Colby Jack, no, 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 no. What, what if someone said to you, I know you have your truth, but I have my truth. My truth is that the moon is made of cheese. That's my truth. That works for me. Now, what do you think of a person like that? Right? A little crazy? So there's right and wrong. There's true and false. There's real and unreal. But Jesus doesn't say, in my opinion, here's why I came, Pilate. He says, in fact. He says, I'm talking on the level of facts here, not the level of opinions or perspectives or, you know, your angle versus my angle. He says, I'm talking about truth. Truth here, facts. And he also says, all those on the side of truth. In other words, there's sides to this question. There's sides to this truth. Is Jesus the one true God? Is Christianity right and all the other religions wrong? There are sides to this question. Evidently, according to Jesus, there's a right side and a wrong side. A true side and a false side. God's side and the devil's side. So it's easy to find yourself on the wrong side of this question. What is truth, retorted Pilate? What is truth? Like a good politician, Pilate tries not to pick a side. Jesus tells him about truth. He backs up and says, hey, what is truth? We're not really sure about truth, are we, Jesus? Come on. As if to try to discredit Jesus' statement about himself. Sometimes you hear people do that today. It's actually the question, you know, we're struggling with as a, as a nation right now. What's truth or what is the truth? Last few weeks, we've heard a lot about fake news. You know, reports that are just thrown out there without being substantiated or confirmed, verified. Um, what is the truth? The Russians hacking scandal. What's the truth? The email scandal. What's the truth? How do we know? It's tough sometimes to wade through all of the 
supposed facts and opinion editorials and everything else and sort of get down to the bottom of things. You know what I mean? It's tough. It's not always easy. It takes some figuring it out. And in the end, we can't just say, well, that's, that's your interpretation. And this is my interpretation. Like that, Daniel Patrick Moynihan said, you are entitled to your opinion, but you are not entitled to your own facts. Mm-hmm. You know, whether I want to accept this or not, there is a thing called the Chesapeake Bay. It actually was there before I was born. Most likely it will be there when I die. And even if I were to write on a chalkboard, there is no Chesapeake Bay, it does not exist, you can't prove it, it's still there. So there's a reality outside of our head, right? And we have to realize that. We're not asking God or reality to adjust to us, we're adjusting to it. Thirdly, it's a personal question, but not a private one. This question about is Is Jesus the one true God or is Christianity the one true faith? This is the power of one faith, what we're talking about. It's a personal question, very personal, but it's not private. Far from it. Pilate asked him, Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? He asked him that in front of the praetorian guards that were nearby. He asked him that in front of other people. And Jesus doesn't hesitate to put Pilate on the spot you and I, if we said this to, to somebody today, a lot of people would go, hey, you know, shut up. What are you doing? Don't offend him. Don't say this. Jesus puts him on the spot. Jesus goes, well, Pilate, is, do you believe that? And Pilate, like Jesus got personal with Pilate. Pilate's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We were talking about what you did. Don't come to me. Don't talk about my beliefs. My beliefs had nothing to do with this. I, I'm just, you know, we're talking about, you're sentencing here, and we're, we're worrying about you. Jesus said, is that your own idea? Do you believe that, or did somebody just tell you that? Wow. It got personal. It's a personal question. Pilate's heart, it's about Pilate's heart. It's about my heart. When we think about it today, it's about your heart. The heart of every person. It gets personal. But it's not private. We should not shrink back from taking this question to the streets, this question of Jesus. Congress may try to keep prayer out of schools, but Christians, we must take prayer everywhere we go. In fact, the government may say to you, don't. In fact, Jesus says, do. Do go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Why all nations? Because Jesus is for everybody. He's for everybody. Jesus isn't just for Americans. He's for Russians. And every other ethnocentric group that we have in the world today. Jesus is not just for Republicans. Ah, I know, I said it. He's for Democrats. And libertarians, and independents, and whatever else you are, or we are. Jesus is for everybody. Whosoever will may come. 
Jesus is not just your Savior. He's the Savior of the world. And so Jesus has told us to go. It's a personal decision. Everybody has to make their own decision, but it is not private. Some people will say, Brad, what is it with you Christians, man? You want to just, it's like you can't keep it to yourself. You got to go evangelize the world. And I would like to say sometimes, well, you know, I, I get it. I understand. And I probably wouldn't be so passionate about it if Jesus hadn't have commanded it. It's not optional for me. It's not optional for you if you follow Jesus. You, having already made this personal decision, now must go make it public. That's what baptism is. Baptism is your public confession of your faith in Jesus Christ. It's the beginning of your coming out party. Of you saying to the world, I follow Jesus. I'm on team Jesus. And I don't care who knows it. So while Jesus is the only way to heaven, he's for everybody under heaven. Do you get it? It's for everybody. He's an equal opportunity savior. But some object and they say, but aren't you being exclusive, Brad? Aren't you Christians being discriminatory? I mean, by saying that your religion, your faith is, is the only one that's right? What about all the other religions? Are they all wrong? Are you that ignorant to say you've cornered the market on truth? Come on. Well, I just want to answer that and close this morning by sharing this with you from my personal experience. I remember back in 2003, Nicole was carrying our first child, Ethan. And the day, the very day that Ethan was due, Nicole began to have complications in the birth. And we went to the hospital, and the nurses didn't like what they saw, and so they admitted Nicole into the hospital to monitor her and the baby's heart, she and the baby. And, and I remember that night, Ethan's heartbeat began to beat erratically. You know, it'd be going beep, 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 beep. Then there'd be the silence. Beep. And they didn't like how it was erratic it was. And every time his heartbeat would drop, mine would drop. And a little after 4 a.m., the, the surgeon came in, the doctor came in and said, look, we're going to have to do an emergency C-section. This is the only way that we're going to be able to make sure that the mother and the baby live is by doing this emergency C-section. Um, so she and I consented. I hated the thought of my beautiful wife having to go through any kind of surgery, but I, I knew that, there, you know, according to the doctor, there was no other way. Now, I want to ask you a question this morning. What if when the doctor came to me in that moment and told me they needed to do a C-section, what if I said, you know, doc, I know you think this is the only way, but I'd like to try something different. I've been thinking it through. I'd like to try it my way. I have an idea. And I can imagine the doctor saying, but Brad, Brad, look, look at the wall. You see all those plaques hanging with my degrees on them? I know what I'm doing. Trust me, I do hundreds of these every year. If there was another way, I would give you that option, but there isn't. 
There's just one way. We can deliver your son so that your wife and your son both will live. Now, let me ask you guys a question. Is that doctor being discriminatory for telling me there's only one way to deliver my baby? Is, is that doctor being negatively exclusive to advise me of the one and only way this new birth can happen? Is he being unfair to all of the other people who wish there was more than one way? No. He's being wise. He's simply telling me the truth. Not what I want to hear. What I need to hear. Because I'm in a desperate situation. And I'm going to lose something very dear to me. If he doesn't tell me what I need to hear. There's a lot at stake. Jesus' cross, there's only been one cross that someone died on that was the, the, the ability to satisfy God's wrath and save the world, and that was Jesus' cross. There's only one Christmas. Jesus' birth split B.C. and A.D. Every time you write a check, every time you write down a date, you're acknowledging the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Not B.C., but A.D., the year of our Lord. 2017. There's only one Easter, one physical bodily resurrection that Jesus rose. And these matters are not matters of culture or what language you speak or where you come from or what political party you're a part of or what philosophy you adhere to. These are matters of F-A-C-T. Either they happened or they didn't. Either they mean what Jesus said they mean or they don't. And you and I have to decide for ourselves. Either what Jesus says about himself being God is true or it isn't. And we each have a decision to make this morning. A personal decision. So what do you think? You know, we're talking about the power of one faith. As you look at the world, and as you see a world with millions of options, when you go into the grocery store and we look at two, bo two boxes of cereals, I don't look at these two cereals and go, hmm, let me see, is this true or is that true? I go, does this taste good? Or does this taste better? Or is this healthier? Or is this more healthy? I know that some of you are like, Brad, honestly, I don't really care about all this true stuff. I just want my life to be happy. And I want to finish this morning by saying to you, not only is that question all of these things I shared with you, it's not just a question of history. It's also a question of being happy. Jesus said, in fact, the reason I came to this world, the reason I was born, was to testify to the truth. You see, Jesus said, I had a purpose when I came here. I know why I'm here. I have my reasons. In fact, you see, your happiness in life 
begins with your ability to tell truth from error. Your happiness begins when you, like Jesus, find your purpose. Jesus said, in fact, this is why I came. Mark Twain said there are two great days in a person's life. The day you were born and the day you figure out why. Have you figured out why? Do you know why you're here? It's important. It's your life at stake. It's your legacy. It's your family. It's your happiness. Jesus was one of the most joyful people that ever walked the earth. I have a suspicion that it's because he carried around with him this thing called truth. And when he did, it gave him purpose. It gave him meaning in his life. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Not only is the Christian life true, it's more meaningful than any other life you could ever live. I mean, what do you have to lose? Only your sin, your regret, your guilt, your remorse. God says, come to me and I'll give you rest for your soul. I'll forgive you. I'll give you grace. I'll let you become one of my family. And then when you die, I will take you to be with me. What do you got to lose? Pascal said, if I live my whole life as a Christian and then I die and I wake up in eternity and find out it was all a lie, God wasn't real, Jesus wasn't real, the whole thing was just a farce. He said, if I wake up in eternity and I find out, guess, guess what he said, I don't lose a thing. Because I've lived the best possible life it's possible to live on earth in living the Christian life, and that's all I could do. He says, but if you live your life on earth and you deny Christ and you deny Jesus and you deny the resurrection and the crucifixion and you say no to God in this life and then you wake up in the next life and find out it was all true, there is a heaven, there is a hell. What have you lost? Only everything. Would you make that wager? Some of you are betting people. Would you make that bet? What have you got to lose? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I'm the only way. Yes, that's exclusive, but it's not discriminatory because Jesus said, whoever wants to come can come. Red, yellow, black, and white, we are all precious in his sight. I'm glad for that. Do you believe that? If we could just close our eyes and, and maybe bow our head just out of respect for each other this morning. I want to give you this opportunity. I want to ask you. I want to lay this before you. I really just want to plead with you. If you've, you've never made this decision before, you've never sort of gone all in with Jesus and said, you know, I do believe. 
this idea, this thing I've heard about Jesus dying for me and rising again, I, you know, it was just a thought and, so, you know, it's just a preacher talking or a friend, but no, no, I do believe now, I do. And I want to live my life for the Lord. And I, and I really, I really want to follow Jesus. If that's you this morning, then I just want to lead you in a prayer and ask you to make that decision. You have everything to gain and nothing to lose. You could say simply now, in this moment, Jesus, I believe I admit I have sinned against you. I need to be forgiven. But I heard you died on that cross for my sins. And I was told that three days later you, you rose. Jesus, since you are alive, will you come and live inside of me? I want you, Jesus, to be my Savior, my leader, and I will follow you to the best of my ability. I'm going to mess up. But I will love you as my Lord. With your eyes closed and your head bowed, just out of respect for one another, if this morning was the first time you ever made this decision and you really prayed this prayer and you meant it, meant it, with all your heart would you raise your hand and then slip it back down please thank you we're in this series the power of one would you look up at me just for a moment we have a request a specific request from our pastor, Pastor Tim. Would you do this for him? He wanted to ask if we could stand together as a congregation, as a family, and he wanted to see if, if you would mind just reaching across the aisle and, and holding someone's hand that's close to you. We'll have hand sanitizer ready later for for, for all of the OCDers that are freaking out right now. <laughs> well, I wish you could see yourself right now. Would you sing this with us?
your prayer. tell you what, from up here, that sure looked good, I got to tell you. But you know what? We've got another chance. We're going we're gonna to sing another song, uh, but I, I, I have to tell you, it, that was a beautiful view. It's good to see God's people, brothers and sisters in Christ, holding hands and worshiping Him. Amen? Amen. Hey, I'm going to tell you, those that wait upon the Lord will rise up. Let's sing about it this morning. Amen. 